Well, good morning. Can you hear me? Good. Thanks for coming out this morning. What a weekend, huh? Every, oh, every weekend, yeah. Yeah, we, you don't know this, but maybe you do. You feel a little chill in the air in here? Uh, our heater broke. You should have you felt it this week. Um, it's hopefully going to get fixed, so we'll have heat. What we have is natural heat right now, coming from the sun, radiating through the windows. Isn't that lovely? So when I uh, lived overseas in Portugal, they, you'd think, you know, Portugal's southern Europe, it's a, it's a warmer climate. But what, what I didn't realize is that they didn't have central heat in most of their homes. And they would, um, you would actually step outside to get warm. And you'd go inside because their homes were built to sort of stay cool for the warm summers. And so you could, I would wake up in the morning and see my breath uh, in our home, you know. And... Um, and, and I, we would go to church in the winter with coats on. And we keep them because the building didn't have heat. But you'd go outside and it was nice. But you'd go inside and it was cold. So you're reminding me of my past this morning. It's not that cold here. I can't see what it is. It's got to be in the 60s. It was in the 50s. Um, let's pray together and we're going to launch into what I consider to be just a uh, pivotal practice of a follower of Jesus. So, Father, we open ourselves to you and to the work of your Spirit. We are people dependent upon you and hungering and needing for both your Word and your Spirit. We open ourselves to you, to what you want to say, how you want to be moving in us and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I picked on Chuck last week. Chuck was the guy with the mic because he left uh, for a game. And I'm assuming, was it the Browns? Like, was it worth it, Chuck? Anyway, um, <clears throat> sorry, just had, to, just had to say that was... Uh, was, yeah, <laughs> that was painful. Um, not Chuck leaving, but never mind. Okay, uh, we're going we're gonna, to, that's enough silliness. Launch it to the message. Um, Uh-oh, I'm going forward, but it's going backwards. Can you put this first slide up for me, Gary? There we go. We're talking about God's whisper. I, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little story. And then I'm going to read you a passage. So a number of years ago, I mentioned I took a sabbatical, and part of that sabbatical, I started a, a doctor ministry program. One of the residencies that they would take us on, we would go and spend two weeks together in, in, in intensive residencies with a, um, a, a group of students from around the country. And one of them, the... Uh, man, the professor teaching the course, we, we got into some cars and we drove, how was it, an hour, two hours north. We were in, Ma we were in Massachusetts and we drove, drove uh, north and went to this little monastery. And, and in this monastery, they, had, they, called them, they called them hermitages. And they only had a handful of brothers that live there, and, and it was a, a quiet monastery. 
And so the, the first meal we had together, we could talk. And the last meal we had together, we could talk. But the other meals, we, we couldn't talk. It was a very strange experience sitting across from people not speaking. Some of the brothers had little book propped up, and they would read books. And I thought that was, a, that was like, <clears throat> I think, don't think we were allowed electronic devices, so you couldn't read your phone and things like that. And, and um, it was a guided solitude retreat. And so we, we uh, would come together and do a little devotional, and then he would send us out with a portion of Scripture to spend time with. And then we would spend time with it, say it was a morning gathering, we'd spend time with it until sometime in the afternoon, we'd have another afternoon gathering, and then, and then he would send us out either with the same portion of Scripture, a different portion of Scripture. And you could stay in your little hermitage. They, were, uh, they actually connected up to, I think it was a... A national or state state park and see so tons of woods that you could walk in and go for walks and it was a gorgeous beautiful um, beautiful location and w- what I found is in these repeated times of quiet with Jesus and his word it was like there was this progressive sort of internal breaking and, and then I remember just having so many amazing encounters. I mean, I would, uh, I would find myself sometimes weeping, and I wouldn't know why. Like, for a guy, that's really difficult. Like, we don't like to cry, typically. But if we do, we usually know why. But it was like the Spirit was doing something in my heart and in my soul through quiet that I never really understood. And still to this day, I don't fully understand what God does to us in quiet. The only thing I know is when I got done with this three-day solitude retreat. I mean, it must sound like torture for some people. You can't speak for three days, you know, and for others who are married to a talker, they're like, how can I find one of those? And uh, where can I go? Could I get my wife to go on one of those? Um, And uh, they, it was, I felt refreshed. I, I, I have been to tons of retreats and tons of conferences, and, and you walk away and you're like, those were wonderful, but refreshed is not a word I would put on them. This time, it was the first time in my entire life, I was like, I am ready to hit the ground running. There's something about this, and if you've been a Christ follower for a while and you haven't discovered it, then the Lord wants to introduce you to something today, and it's the whisper of God. One of the things that we need to do as Christ followers is you don't just find God in the gathering of his people at church, and I found, and I want to encourage that because one of the things we've seen during the pandemic is more, less and less people are going to church. And I meet more and more believers that are like, yeah, I don't go to church anymore. And, and I'm just like, well, what do you think's going on? You know, we moved to Europe and we're, we're involved in ministry in Europe because church attendance had drifted so far that very few people attended church. And we saw 
we were able to plant a church and see people come and come to Christ. And, and, and then you look and, I, and, and you see America becoming more and more post-Christian. And, it, and it, the pandemic has sped that process up. We're going to start next week. Hopefully, we'll get maybe the week after, we're going to give you guys some invite cards. Because I'm convinced that there are people that just want an invitation. Went to a party last week, a birthday party for a relative um, on my wife's side of the family, and I met a few people, and they were, they were talking about coming to church. I go, do you go to church? No. She goes, well, I've watched you online sometimes. You have? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, and others, you know, are, are, were actually actively interested in coming to church, but you know what they need? They need an invitation. And so we're going to give you guys little cards. And as you're out and about, realize that there's a lot of people that just need an invitation. The Spirit is drawing them. The Spirit is moving on them. They're, I mean, I, I was blown away that the number of people are, were expressing interest in coming to church. I'm like, well, I'm not stopping you. You know, I, I didn't even have to give. They were giving themselves the invitation. I said, come on, you, you feel be great. Because people have turned away. Well, this passage that really is a key text for this message is in the book of 1 Kings. And, and uh, it's where Elijah the prophet was, was uh, battling the, uh, went through this very sort of power encounter uh, with um, the Queen Jezebel. And God did this miraculous sign, and then Jezebel basically put out a hit on him and said, you're going to die. And so he was running from her. And he talks about uh, running and then going away and then God feeding him and having these 40 days. And then God led him to this mountain. And that's where we pick up the story. Here he is fleeing for his life, struggling after God did an amazing thing. But that amazing thing that God did put a hit on his life. And 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13 says this, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard this, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? God was showing Elijah something that he wants to show every one of us. That many times we want to find God in the noise. But one of the greatest places we find God is in the quiet. It's in the stillness. There's a reason that for some reason when I was introduced to quiet and solitude that after a day and a half I would randomly cry. Hey, because God's Spirit was doing something with me when you, 
and he does stuff with us when we just place ourselves in quiet before him in his word and with his spirit. I used to think it was bad when we were in a prayer meeting and somebody wouldn't speak. I used to think, oh, these people are not so spiritual. Do you ever think that way? Do you, do you know what I think now? I just think, oh, God, you're doing something. There's a, there's a hush over this meeting, and we're just waiting on you. And I, what I used to judge as lack of sort of spiritual people being willing to pray, now I see it as the Lord moving deeply in the hearts and lives of individuals as they wait before him. You see this idea in Jesus' life, and read this in Luke 5, 16, says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Let me read that again. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. How many of you have had this experience where you you're finding yourself spiritually tired and, and um, worn out. And somehow you're expecting God to renew you, but you're not, placing your places, it's, you're not placing yourself in these places of renewal. We've had four grandkids live with us since Thursday night this week. And someone was diagnosed with a sickness, too. We have a small house. We give up our bedroom. Someone said to me, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And they said this morning, Pa, how, how come you haven't come out of your room? So I'm good. That's my little quiet prayer moment this morning before I walk out into the chaos of little kids and noise and I'm good. I'm good. And you ever sermon prep around a fire with your computer with little kids going all over? Just finish a sermon. I was finishing a sermon yesterday. Rebecca, you relate to that. It's like, I thought this season was done, Lord. <laughs> so when you are a parent of young children, you know it even more. You love those little sacred moments. You like treasure it, like, oh my gosh, they went to bed. <laughs> you know? And I guess when you're a grandpa and they come back, you feel that too. But, but Jesus would withdraw to draw these lonely places so he could be alone to hear the Father. Church, if Jesus had to do it, we need to do it. We need to do it. And that's why I think it, it, that there, is this, there is this intentional environmental part to our spirituality. Like that's why I, 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 throughout the year, I tried it when I have this sense. I'll go, okay, I'm going to this place just to be alone with Jesus. Sometimes it's a little campground. Sometimes it's a monastery. Sometimes it's this little, some little place you rent just to be alone with Jesus. And you say, well, can't you do that when nobody's home? Yes, you can. But do you know there's something weird about our homes? Do you know about that? We have our little home rhythms. And, and, and we don't always associate those homes as like, no one's here. Oh, I get to meet with God. 
We're like, oh no, I get to clean this or do that or I can take care of this because these things have bothered me. So if you're like me, you have to physically go find some place, pay a little bit of money, go to a little monastery or a little Airbnb, and if they don't have a TV that's even better, and spend a day or two or three just with you and Jesus. And if you've never done this, it's wonderful. You know, I usually pick a part of the scriptures that I'm going to sit with. And I say, okay, this is my little part I'm going to sit with. And sometimes I bring another book. You know, this book would have been a great book to bring in a personal retreat. And just maybe read a chapter or two. And, and, and just spend that lonely, quiet time with God. And can I tell you one thing before I go on to the next point that always happens to me? I never feel alone. I always feel like Jesus and I are going on a trip. It's the weirdest thing. People go, how do you do that by yourself? And I think, I didn't even think about being by myself. I, I, I become so aware of the presence of God, and this is not to build me up. This is what can happen to you, that when you do this, you feel a genuine companionship because it's you and Jesus going on a little trip. And if you don't believe me, try it. Try it. And I also think it helps if you have your little place of prayer in your home. Some people have a desk. Some people have a chair. Some people have their little place. And it helps them to find their little place where they can just sit down and go, okay, God, I'm in my spot, and it's just you and me. It really helps to find that little spot. The... Uh, Wesley, it was Charles Wesley, his mother had, I can't remember how many kids, she had like, a, I, don't, I have no idea how she survived having that many children, 19, 19 kids, and if you've read about her, she didn't have a spot, you know what she had? She'd pull her apron over her head, because at 19 kids, I mean, they must, they're in the chicken coop, I mean, come on, um, where do you put them? And, she, and the kids, she taught her kids, don't mess with mom when her apron's over her head. She's praying, you know? So it'd be like, yeah. I'm not saying try it, but I mean, you know, it's like me getting, mom's under the covers. Leave her alone. She's having her time. Okay, you know, but, but that's how she, that's, that was her place. We all need that. We need it when we go away. We need it in our regular routine. Find your quiet place with the Lord and draw near to him. There's, a, there's a, something that we learn over time is that we learn that our strength comes from a quiet place within. Your strength comes from a quiet place within. Some of the greatest leaders I've ever met, you, could, you almost could describe them as the velvet hammer. The velvet hammer. They're not these dictators dominating, you know, you know. They, they, are, they have this quiet strength and this deep, wisdom. I remember there was a guy named Ralph Moore, and I had the privilege to be mentored by Ralph a number of years ago. He pastored a, a church in Hawaii, and who wouldn't want to be mentored by a guy that pastors a church in Hawaii? I mean, this, this guy had this, had, this, um, had this very gentle but powerful way to teach. And when I met 
Ralph, and this is years ago, the guy had planted like 52 churches. He's probably responsible for maybe 150 or 200 because he would send out church planters that would then send out church planters that would send out church planters, and he understood reproduction. And I, and I remember the, the first time I, I met him, he was speaking to a group of us who were leaders in, in Portugal, and we would do a leaders' conference, and we hosted the leaders' conference uh, in, a, in a, a little retreat center outside of Lisbon. And, and I said to my wife, um, I said, I would love to spend a month with this guy. He taught with such gentle authority. I was so drawn to his strength and his gentleness. And the weirdest thing happened. The next day, he walks up to me and he goes, why don't you pray about spending a month with me? I just about fell over. The guy goes, you just get the plane ticket. We'll take care of everything else. How would you like that? That's a month in Hawaii with a rental car on a guy I wanted to be mentored with. I mean, isn't that like Jesus? Like, it was absolutely amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And the, the, I'll just tell you one more because you guys like little stories. We only had enough in our missionary account to cover a ticket for me because we just, we just lived just like that. We didn't have that much money. And, uh, and we were taking a long home leave. And one, one of our supporters found out about this. They said, it's not right, right that your wife can't join you for part of that. So the last 10 days, they used their miles, gave them to her, and flew her over. Do you, do you know when she flew? She flew over a year after September 11th to the day. There was like no one on the plane. and We got a great deal on the ticket. Because <laughs> nobody wanted to fly a year after September 11th, except my wife. She'd fly to Hawaii. True story. There's a, there's a quietness, and, and, and this is the cool thing. Look at this psalm, Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. So what does the psalmist do? He says, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I love that he says, but I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. One of the things you and I need to do is we need to learn the power of inner strength. When you're going through craziness, when you're going through difficult situations, if you are one that battles anger, how many of you have ever battled anger before? Okay, do you know what you need to learn? You need to learn the power of inner strength. You need to learn to quiet your soul. Those of you who have ADHD and tendencies, you desperately need to learn to quiet your body and your mind so you can focus. And, and it, it, it comes from these wonderful places where you just begin to rest internally, mentally, 
casting your cares, learning to find rest and shalom and peace in God. And so if you're looking for a way to start, we've talked about Lectio, right? We did a whole service where you repeatedly read Scripture. Take this psalm and do a Lectio with it. If you want to learn how to come, if you want to learn how to center prayer, if you want to learn how to just get to a quiet place with the Lord, just do a meditative reading of Psalm 131. The Lord, I've quieted and calmed myself like a weaned child with his mother. And you breathe. And you let the Spirit of God bring his calm to you. I believe Christ's followers need to learn the power of quiet strength. And then, he, and then there's this, this last piece of the puzzle, and it's this. We, we let God lead with his peace. We let him lead us with his peace. And, and this passage in Romans is really where it starts. It says, therefore you have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once we are no longer at war with God, we can begin to incorporate other kinds of peace into our lives and personalities. And that's added on there. So the first part I want you to get is the scripture. The next part is a bit of commentary. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because once we are no longer at war with God, we begin to incorporate other kinds of peace into our lives and personality. So the first kind of peace we have is where we make peace with God. It's almost as if there's a war that goes on in every one of our lives, and we, the, what we have to do in order to have peace is we have to put the surrender flag down and say, I surrender. And when we surrender to God, there's something that powerful that happens. It gives a channel for peace to happen in our lives. Did you know that it's not just your first step of giving your life to Jesus that's surrender? Did you know that? Thank you. Okay. Um, I love these phones we have. Here's, here's the thing. We've been, uh, I've been doing a, a Lectio with a, a group of young people that were meeting after church and we're talking about the book together. And we spent time in Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, in view of the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing or holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, or NIV says spiritual, worship. You see, the doorway that we enter into the Christian faith is a doorway of yielding where we say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I want your forgiveness. I want to come into a relationship with you. But the way we keep growing is a continual yielding, letting our will go and taking on his will. And that's why Paul in the 12th chapter of Romans said, in view of the amazing mercy of God, Offer yourselves, your very bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. Yielding is a part of our lives. And let me tell you, one of the reasons we don't have quiet strength sometimes is we're fighting the wrong person. Sometimes what happens in our lives is we're fighting. 
and we're not yielding. Jesus understood this in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, not my will but yours be done. And it's tough. My wife and I were talking about uh, recently about it. She was like, why, why, does, why do this, these things happen to people? They're such good people. Why do, why do these bad things happen to such good people? And do you, do you ever talk to someone who's wrestling with tough things in their life? You, give, you can give them a great theological answer, but it just doesn't seem to hit the heart. Do you notice that? I had a person one time, and, and uh, they had a very big tragedy in their life, and maybe it was six months or a year later, they said, I just want to ask all the questions. So they ask all the questions, I give them all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I told them how I deal with some of those things. And in the end, I said, did it help? They said, no. Because the pain is so deep and the hurt is so deep that we don't need an answer. We need a savior. We need a God that's, that's a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. We need a God that says, come to me all you are weak and heavy laden. Because sometimes we don't need an answer and we can't even accept an answer. We need a hug and we need the presence of God in our life. Because life is hard and it is painful. And the first thing we need to learn to do is when we come into a relationship is we yield. And that's why I love this, this uh, passage in Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Did you know we have an anxiety crisis in our culture? Did you know that? Okay, so, do you know we live in a very over-medicated society? Did you know that? And I'm not faulting people for taking meds for certain things. I'm just saying our first thing is usually, here, try this pill, right? And, I, and I've, done, I've done very challenging pastoral counseling with people that were given pills that caused them to be terribly addicted, which hurt their marriage, hurt their careers, because the first thing the doctor did was, here, just take this pill. Did you know the human condition hasn't changed? Now think about that. These passages were written 2,000 years ago. Do you think they had an anxiety crisis 2,000 years ago? Yes or no? Yes. Who wouldn't? I mean, Roman soldiers could do all sorts of crazy stuff to you unless you're a Roman citizen, and then they had to stay within the rules. I mean, it, it, it was a society that kids died, uh, most kids died before they were two years old, so, so the Romans didn't even name their kids until after two because they would, they, a lot of them would die. I mean, there was so much going on in that society. If you wanted to, to worry, you could worry. And if you don't think that the early Christians feared, what happened when Jesus always appeared after the resurrection to his disciples? What did he say to them? Do not fear. Why? Because he just showed up, and I'd be like, this just doesn't happen. 
I'm afraid. And Jesus said, do not fear. The apostle Paul, think about Paul. He preached the gospel. What happened when he preached the gospel? He got arrested. He got beaten. He was stoned. That, didn't, that doesn't mean he got high. That, okay, that meant back in the day, they would literally throw big stones at you to kill you, okay? Context. We don't stone people anymore, but Paul, the Apostle Paul was stoned. And, and here he is writing to the church in Philippi, a man who preached a gospel, then that gospel took him down a tough path. path. He says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace, that, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And, and, and here's the way I'd like you to see this. You and I have all sorts of stuff going on in our lives, Right? And what I like to tell people is you need to take that stuff, pretend it's your cell phone, and you need to just go before God, and this is what a prayer and petition is, and say, here, God, would you take this? And then you need to walk away. And you know what happens many times is when we do this, we, we go, oh, my gosh, look, it's still in my hand. Do you ever do that? And you go, here, take it. And we give, prayer and petitions, we give those very worries, those very cares, those cancer diagnoses, those troubled uh, times with a family member or a teenager or the worry that you have about your job or your anything, help, and you literally give it to God because so much of our lives we have no control over. And those are the things we worry and those are the things we fret about. And then you just walk away. And when that worry comes back again, you just take that and you give it back to him. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord. Did you know that? It talks about cast your cares on him. And when it says cast your cares, the Greek word is ekbalo. And it's the idea that I'm going to throw that on God. It's to throw it out. And you throw it so far, you can't get it back. So before you had all the drugs to medicate us from anxiety, the Apostle Paul said, give them to God. And the amazing thing happens if you can figure out how to do this is that when you give him your anxiety, do you know what he gives you? His peace. He, he doesn't just go, okay, I got it now. There's an exchange. I remember Danny Myers, who, who's retired now, was teaching here, and he talked about the great exchange. And he said, you give him your anxiety, he gives you your peace. You give him your anxiety, he gives you your peace. You give him your anxiety, he gives you his peace. And so what happens when we get away to get along with God? We get to give him our anxieties. We get to give him our worries. And he gives us his peace. What happens when you daily find your quiet place where you can seek the Lord in prayer and in his word? You can give him your anxieties. And he can give you his peace. And that's why Colossians says that the peace of Christ rule in your heart. 
And I, and I just want to say that the word rule is the idea to govern, that we let the peace of God lead us, govern us, guide us. Because it's in these places that we hear the Lord the most. Let's stand up and pray together. You know, as we've been, as you've been listening to me, and I, I, I want to thank you for taking a minute and just taking time out of your day and listen. I, I, I think there are a couple places where the Lord would be speaking to you. One is that you don't find a quiet place to listen. That you fill your life up so full that it has no space to listen to the Lord. And my, my, my challenge to you is, even if you start with five minutes, start. Start, find a place, find a little place, find a small place, just to be with Jesus. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you about a solitude retreat, and you come up to me afterwards, and you say, hey, where do you go? What can you do? How do I do that kind of thing? And I can give you and point you to some resources and some places just where you can go alone to be with Jesus. And maybe you're the kind of person that outwardly you look really great, but inwardly it's just full of tor- turmoil. And the Spirit of God was saying, I want to teach you how to have that quiet strength, how to calm the chaos within. You don't have to eat at it. You don't have to drink at it. You don't have to work at it. But there's a way to truly let the Spirit of God bring your soul peace. And I, I just want to ask, too, as we, start, as we begin this prayer, is if there's ever been a time that you've given your life to Christ, and if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's the doorway. That's the first place of peace. And all you have to do to start that relationship is just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want to receive you as my Lord. I want to receive you as my Savior come into my life. That's the beginning of making peace with God. Let's pray together. And as we pray, I'd like the prayer team to come up if people want prayer. So I'm going to start praying, but some of you guys can start walking up and offering prayer. So Lord, we we do come to you and confess we as humans like to fill our lives to the brim And many times we do this because it, it creates such a busyness that we don't have to listen. And years ago, Lord, you, you took Elijah to a mountain and you let him experience a wind and an earthquake and a fire and you said, I'm not in any of the chaos but I'm in the quiet and I'm in the whisper. And as we're drilling down about listening to you and hearing you every week, God, we confess that we miss this a lot of times. We miss small times of quiet in our life on a daily basis. We don't imitate Jesus in getting away to those quiet, lonely places to refuel, to give you our cares or our anxieties, our worries. 
And we live our lives many times from an internal chaos rather than an internal peace. And we ask your forgiveness. And today we ask for the gift to quiet our soul and calm our soul. To surrender and yield to you. And as we're finishing up this time, I know each one of us has a, uh, a worry, a thought, a care. And the Lord is just saying, I want you to give that to me today. I don't want you walking out carrying that. Your shoulders were not designed to carry that. I will carry that for you. And if you can mentally, as your eyes are closed, just picture turning that over to him and literally giving it to him. Handing it to him. Maybe it has to do with the class that you're taking. Maybe it has to do, for some, your future. You're worried about it. For some, I think it's a, a worry about sobriety, challenging something's happening around sobriety, wanting sobriety or wanting to stay sober. Some worry in that area, and the Lord's saying, give it to me. Let me give you my peace. I encourage you to come forward for prayer. There's something that happens when the Spirit of God has spoken to you, something, and you let somebody lay hands on you, you let somebody pray for you. There's something powerful that takes place. So some of you, I feel like you just got the beginning, but he's saying, come on up and get some prayer, and I'm going to seal the deal. I'm going to seal the deal. So come forward. I'm going to give you a blessing. We're going to leave the prayer ministry going. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his very face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his favor on you.